Be seated. Well, good morning, church. It was an awesome scripture reading, wasn't it? Amen. All right, good morning, good morning. Man, so glad you're in the house. If it's your first time here, we are really glad you're here. I'm going to start this morning a little different. I'm going to invite Grace and Tucker to the stage. Uh, there you go. <laughs> People never clap for me when I get up here. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Good morning. This is, uh, this is Grayson Tucker, our new student minister. And this morning, I wanted to take a moment just to introduce him uh, to all of you. Uh, obviously, our teenagers are excited, and we're all excited that he's here. Grayson, you know this, but we've been praying for this day for many, many months. And it's such a, an, an awesome thing that you're here today to start your ministry. And we're, we're, really, we're really praying hard that God will bless you, and I know you know that. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Margaret and his wife will be here with us. Uh, she's having to stay back in Huntsville, Alabama, to finish up some teaching there. She's a high school uh, history teacher. So she'll be here after spring break, and we'll, we'll do a full-on honoring and blessing and prayer over grace. But I want to start today by just introducing him to all of you and saying a prayer. So if you would, uh, let's pray together. God, you are good, and your love endures forever. And this moment right here is just more evidence of that. Father, we as a church have been praying for many months uh, that you would send us someone like Grace and someone like Margaret Ann, someone to come and to love and to lead our teens here and to show them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and to help them in their journey to discover a life in the presence of your son. And today, God, we're so honored to, to be in your presence and to see you honor and answer this prayer. And uh, God, I want to thank you for that. God, I pray right now just a blessing over grace and a blessing over our student ministry here at Riverside. Uh, God, that in the coming days and weeks and months and years that you would just do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, Father. And I just pray. Uh, I pray for that blessing today. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Thanks, Thank man. you. All right. Well, um, here's what I think I know about you. I think you have a problem. I think you have trouble with trust. I think that's true. I remember, I'm glad Grayson's here, I remember when I was in high school going on a high school retreat uh, with our youth group and we got to the retreat center and it wasn't a hotel but the rooms were set up like hotels so me and three of my friends, three of the guys, we had, we had a room to ourselves and it was one of those rooms like a hotel room with, with two beds and so you know, we quickly you know, decide on who gets what bed and who's sleeping where and throw our, our luggage on the bed and then we have to run back to the meeting room for everything to start. But in the middle of all that, me and one of my friends, one of my buddies, we had this idea to pull a prank on the other two guys. And so later on in the day when we had some free time, we snuck back to the room when they were off doing something else. And we, we, we got in the room and we just thought it'd be really funny. And I, I'm not really good at pranks. So I'm really proud of this one because this was, this was good. We, uh, we snuck back in the room and uh, we took, the, uh, we took the, the blankets and the pillows off of their bed, the bed that they had chosen. They had chosen what we thought was the better bed. So we took off the blankets and the pillows. We took off the mattress. Then we took off the box springs. We put the mattress back on. We flipped the box springs over so the, the planks were side up and put that on there. And then we made the bed back with the blankets and pillows. It was perfect. It was just beautiful. It looked like, you know, it was supposed to look. Well, that night when we came back to the room, we thought, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run in the room, and, and me and you, we'll go first, and let's just jump on the bed, and we'll bounce around. It'll be hilarious, and then they'll do the same thing. So we did. We ran in. We jumped on the bed, and, of course, we landed on our nice, soft, retreat center room mattress, and we bounce around. We're laughing. Well, they run in, and they jump in and, you know, kind of cannonball on the bed, too, and they came up screaming because <laughs> they hit those planks. We thought that was funny. Weird thing was, they didn't trust us the rest of the weekend to be in that room by ourselves. I don't know why. I don't know why. They wouldn't let us do it. If, they, if we were in the room, they were in the room, you know? 
we, I think everyone in the room can agree with this. We all have trouble trusting people. We just do. We're, we're, we're not people who trust really easily. And it's probably because there have been people in our lives that have failed us. You know, we have, we have trouble trusting people in authority. We have trouble trusting leaders. We have trouble... These days, you can't trust the news. You can't trust government officials. You can't trust politicians. You know, there's, there's no one you can trust. Even on, on our local level, we don't trust, you know, people that are, that are, that are above us or below us in, in authority or in position at our work. In the org chart, if they're above us or below us, we're suspicious of everybody. Even at school, we don't trust our teachers. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents can, they're here today, they can testify to this. You know, if I got trouble in school, I got trouble at home. There were no questions asked. You know, it was, it was obvious I was in the wrong. There was no debating it. These days, if you get in trouble at school, well, it's obvious the teacher was wrong or she misunderstood or he misunderstood. There's a problem because surely my child didn't do what you say, you know, really happened. We don't trust anybody anymore. We have a real problem with trust. And I think, you know, I think in a world where we have such an issue with trust, trust may be our greatest commodity. And I think, I think the problems that we have with trust. Because you know what this is like, right? You know if you ever do trust somebody and then for whatever reason they break your trust, it's really hard to trust them again. I think we've become so jaded in the way that we trust and choose to trust that it's even affected our relationship with God and how we trust God. And this is most true, I think you know this, this is most true when, when things get difficult, when the story goes sideways, when things aren't working out the way that we thought they would, that instead of trusting God in the middle of the difficulty, what we so often do is take matters into our own hands. It's really hard to trust, isn't it? When things aren't going the way you thought that they should. This is exactly what happened to some of Jesus' very first disciples. Uh, if you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, we've been looking through the Gospel of John. This is, this is the story of Jesus as told by one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, a guy by the name of John. And throughout his story, throughout his Gospel, throughout his writings, he reveals seven different times that Jesus makes a statement about who he is. And it's really, it's really been great for us as a church to walk through these different things that Jesus says about himself to see, you know, Jesus, who do you say you are? Tell us who you are. And so he says these different things like, I'm the good shepherd, or I'm the gate, or I'm the, the resurrection and the life. Well, today he's going to make another statement similar to that. But I want you to see the context. I want you to see where he says what he says and why I think it's so important. So to set the scene, we're going to look in John 14. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open that up or turn that on. But right before this, in John chapter 13, we have this scene of Jesus with his closest disciples in this upstairs room. And they're taking part in a meal called Passover. And this is, this is a tradition. They do this every year, once a year, to remember the time that, that God used Moses to deliver them from Egyptian oppression, from slavery, from bondage, from, from, from you know, the darkness and into the light, from you know, the slavery of Egypt into the, the promised land that God had you know, prepared for them. It was a historic moment. Every year they remembered the Exodus. They remembered this Passover meal when they were delivered from Egypt. It was an incredible time. So they're up there in this upstairs room. And in the middle of all this, in the middle of this tradition, in the middle of this meal, Jesus, who no doubt, everybody knows, you know this. You don't even know you know this, but you know this. Jesus is the most important person in the room. He's the rabbi. He's the teacher. He's the master. He gets up in the middle of the meal, and you may know the story. And he takes off his dinner clothes, and he puts a towel around his waist, and he takes a basin, kind of like this one in front of me here. And he begins to wash 
the disciples' feet. Now, this is a dirty job. This is a, this is a job that is beneath Jesus. This was not his job. He shouldn't have done this, but he did this. He did this to show the disciples what it looks like to love, what it looks like, like to serve. He did this to show them, to remind them that there's nothing that is outside of his position or authority. There's nothing beneath him. There's nothing that he wouldn't do for his friends and that they should do for others what, what he's doing from, for them in this moment, that, that they should serve and love the way that he is serving and loving in this moment. And then after that, the meal continues, and Jesus then predicts that someone in the room, one of these 12 disciples, one of these closest followers of Jesus, is going to betray him. So there's tension in the room because they're wondering, who's going to do this? Who would, who would betray you, Jesus? They're looking around like, who would do this? And all of a sudden, Judas Iscariot makes a quick exit. And then, as if that weren't enough, Jesus then predicts that someone in the room is going to deny him, deny even knowing him. And, of course, Peter, of all people, speaks up and says, Lord, I would never do that. None of us would do that. And, of course, Jesus looks at him and says, actually, you're going to do it three times, Peter. So it's in the middle of this moment where the story is kind of going sideways for these disciples. You see, since they were boys, think about this. Since the time that they were little boys, they were taught and they were told and they believed that one day someone would come like Moses. Someone would come and deliver them from their current oppressor. And they thought they had found that person. They thought they had found him. They thought it was Jesus. They thought he was the Messiah. And they were right, but Jesus was not the kind of Messiah that they expected. Over the last few days, Jesus has been predicting that he's going to die. And they're like, Jesus, you're not going to die. You're going to reign. We're going to usher in a new glorious kingdom where you're going to reign on the throne. You're going to kick out the Roman oppressors and you're going to reign. And they had even argued about who's going to sit on his right and who's going to sit on his left. They were ready for Jesus to come in and conquer and to lead them out of their current oppression and into freedom. But they're beginning to clue in. They're beginning to clue in that this story is not going the way they thought it was going to go. He's predicting his death. He's washing their feet. He says someone's going to betray him. He says someone else is going to deny him. And it's in the middle of this confusion and this uncertainty that Jesus speaks these words in John 14, verse 1. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Just imagine sitting around the table with Jesus on this night. You think that all of this, the last three years of your life, has led up to a moment where you're going to reign with God's Messiah. But all of a sudden, the story is not going the way you thought it was going to go. You're hiding out in an upstairs room, taking Passover. There is tension in the room. There is tension in the world. There are people out to kill this guy that you're following. And instead of mounting a rebellion, instead of gathering an army, you're up here taking in a meal, and you're hearing Jesus say that this is about to go a different direction. And Jesus says, eh, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust God? Trust me. The disciples are troubled. And I want you to hear this because I think this is good news for a lot of us in the room today. Because these men had literally been in the physical presence of Jesus for three years. These men were literally in the physical presence of Jesus right now. And guess what? They're worried. They're troubled. 
Things are not going the way that they expected them to go, and they don't know what's going to happen next, and they are concerned. And I want you to hear this because I think some of you, I think all of you, I think myself included, we struggle with worry. We struggle with doubt. There are many days that our hearts are troubled. And if we're honest, we feel less spiritual because of that. We feel like we shouldn't worry. Like we believe in God, we trust God, we trust Jesus. So, we, and we feel like, we're, we, we, feel like we, have, we have some sort of problem with faith or that we're somehow not spiritual enough or we don't trust God enough. These guys were in the room in the physical presence of Jesus and they were worried. You can be in the presence of Jesus and be worried. I would also say there's no better place to be when you're worried than in the presence of Jesus. But Jesus says, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. You see, you don't have to worry. I know you're going to worry, but you don't have to worry because you trust God. And if you trust God, Jesus says, you can trust me. You see, the reason that you don't have to be troubled is located in where your trust lies, right? Wherever your trust is, that's where your confidence is. And Jesus says, you can have confidence. You can have trust if you trust me, even when the story, even when your story isn't going the way you thought it should go, even when it's difficult, even when you're in the middle of it, even when you're in the thick of it, you can trust Jesus. And here's what I think is true. I, th- I think, I think if, if there's no chance of failure, if, there's, if you're living a life right now where everything is going smooth and easy, and there's no worry, there's no concern, then there's a sense in which you may not really be following Jesus, right? Because to follow Jesus is to risk something. To, to follow Jesus is to be in the middle of something that, that, it, that things are going to only work out if Jesus comes through. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. And then he says this, and I think this is really interesting. Uh, you probably know these words if you've been around very long in the church. And we read these words to comfort people and to encourage people. But I think if you read them in this context, like right here in the middle of this moment, I'm just going to be quite honest. I've read them over and over again this week. They don't make sense. Because Jesus says in the middle of all this, he says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Can you just see the look of confusion on the disciples' faces? They're looking around at each other like, what is Jesus talking about? There's room in his father's house. He's going to prepare a place for us. What, what is, how do we go from, from someone's going to betray you or someone's going to deny you to don't worry till I'm going to ahead of you to prepare a place for you? It sounds like to me that Jesus is preparing these men to suffer and die. Then Jesus said, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas speaks up. Uh, Jesus, no, no, we don't. We don't know. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? He's like, Jesus, I got my phone out. I've got my app open. Give me the address. We'll follow you wherever you go, but we don't know where you're going. Tell us where you're going. And Jesus said, I am. Here it is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. The question for you, Thomas, is will you follow me? Will you trust me? 
even in the middle of your confusion, even in the middle, middle of this uncertainty, even in the middle of this moment where you don't know what's going to happen next. Because even in the middle of this moment, Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen next. Jesus knows that on the other side of this stands a cross. Jesus knows that the path directly ahead of him is a cross. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is he the way, the truth, and the life to? Apparently, it's a cross. That's where we're headed. Thomas, the question for you is, will you follow me when there's a cross in front of me? And I think that's a question that you and I have to answer to as disciples and followers of Jesus. Will we trust Jesus? Even when we know that on the road ahead, there stands a cross. I read a story this week about a man. It's one of those stories where the guy dies and he goes to heaven and he meets St. Peter at the pearly gates. And as he's walking up to St. Peter, St. Peter looks at him and says, Hey, you made it. And he opens up the book of life. And sure enough, he looks in there and there's his name. And, and the man is elated because this man had lived horrible life. A life full of suffering and hardship. I mean, things just every which way had gone wrong. You name it, it had not worked out for this guy. He had struggled his entire life physically with sicknesses and illnesses and disease and trouble. You know, his family was broken. He had every financial duress you could imagine. Nothing had gone right for him, but through it all, he tried to remain faithful. And now, sure enough, he's died and he's gone to heaven. And Peter says, you made it. Your name is in the book of life. It says, well done, my good and faithful servant. He says, come on in, let me show you around. So Peter walks him through the pearly gates on the streets of gold. And sure enough, they're walking by the saints of old. There's Moses, there's David, there's you know, Mary, there's Elizabeth, there's Esther, there's all of them. They walk by the river that runs by the throne of God. And he looks up and for the very first time, he looks up and he sees the face of Jesus. They keep walking. They come up to this huge place and it's called the house of God. And Peter says, come on in, there's a room here for you. So they walk in and sure enough, there's this beautiful room all set up. It's a plush bed, there's a nice desk, a chair, other furniture, furniture to fill out the room. Over in the corner, there's a, a small table with a basin of water. And Peter says, I want you to go over and, and look in that basin of water and tell me what you see. And let me, let me read you, read you what he said. He walked to the basin. He dipped his hands in the water to wash off his face. And as the water stilled, he looked down. And what he saw surprised him. He looked up at Peter and said, When I look into the water, I don't see myself. What I see, well, it looks like a picture of Christ. Peter looked at the man and said, You're correct. You see the image of Christ in you. For through your pain, you have been transformed fully and finally into his image. Here's what I want you to know today. Your pain has a purpose. And to suffer is to be a follower of Jesus. I know we live in a world where comfort is king. But to be a follower of Jesus means to set aside all of those things. And as Jesus once said, take up your cross and follow him. Because the, the way of Jesus 
And, and I think we know this, but we have to be reminded of it. The way of Jesus is not the way of the American dream. And the life of Jesus is not the life you've always wanted. And the truth of Jesus, the truth of Jesus means to be where he is. To, to have the life of Jesus, you only get there by dying. And it's counterintuitive and it doesn't make sense. And, and even this water that stands behind me, what that water is, you know what that means. We go into that water to die with Christ and to be raised to new life. Because the way to new life is through dying to yourself. The way to be where Jesus is, the way to be in the presence of the Father, to be where he is, is the way of the cross. I tell you what, I've read this passage all my life where Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I've always loved the language. And then it just hit me this week. that This is right in the middle of where Jesus makes a turn and he heads to the cross. And as I've thought about what that means for you and me, I can't get around the fact that those first disciples of Jesus They weren't exempt from human suffering. Those first disciples of Jesus, I think you and I would both agree, were transformed into the image of Christ. But the way they got there was a path of suffering. And if you and I want to be where Jesus is, if you and I want to be transformed into his likeness, well, I have two questions for you this morning I want you to think about. Here's the first one. Will you trust Jesus in the middle of your current suffering? Will you trust him? I I know there are people in the room this morning. Some of you I know personally, I know what you're going through. Some of you I don't. But I know there are people in the room this morning that, that you are in the middle of a present crisis. That there is suffering, there is sickness, there is brokenness, there is family problems, there is whatever. There is trouble. And right now you're in the middle of a season of suffering. And I want you to know You can trust Jesus in the middle of your pain. And you can trust Jesus in the middle of your suffering. You see, the the cross that we follow, the cross that Jesus died on, it's not an empty cross. I don't know at what point in our history that we took Jesus off the cross, but at some point, every necklace you bought and every earring and every emblem that had the cross of Christ, it became empty. That wasn't always true. You know this, right? You look throughout Christian history, you see the art, you see the the different portrayals of of the crucifix. And so many times, so often, especially early on, it always had Jesus on the cross. But at some point, I guess it became too hard to look at and we, we took him off. But the cross we follow, the cross of Christ, is not an empty cross. Jesus is in the middle of the cross and Jesus is in the middle of your suffering too. And if you want to meet Jesus, I can tell you you can meet him there. If you want to know where Jesus is, I can tell you he's always there. He's always in the middle of your pain. And he will use your pain to transform you into his image. If you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. You can trust him. You can trust the one that's gone before. Will you trust Jesus in the middle of your current suffering? The second question is this, and this is a harder one. Will you trust Jesus enough to choose suffering? Because there's probably the other half of us in the room that, for whatever reason, right now, life is good. And praise God for that. I'm not knocking that. We all need seasons where life is not hard, where things are a little easy, because we all know the ups and downs of life. There are ups, but there are also downs. 
But I'll tell you this, Jesus did say those words, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. So my question for those of us who aren't in the middle or in the thick of it right now is where is your cross? What cross are you carrying? I think it's a choice. I think all of us have to choose. And we have to, it sounds crazy, it's counterintuitive, it's not what the world says, but I'm telling you, I think it's the truth of the gospel, it's the truth of Jesus, that if you want to follow him, you got to be carrying a cross. If you're not carrying a cross, chances are you're not following Jesus. So where's your cross? What difficulty are you going to embrace? What struggle are you going to enter into? What are you going to give up? What are you going to sacrifice? What are you going to lay down? What, what, what situation are you going to enter into, even though you know it's not going to be easy for you, but you're going to choose the suffering because you have chosen the way of Christ? I can tell you, if you choose that way, whatever way that is for you, and I can't tell you what that is, you will find Christ there. Because the way of Christ is the way of the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And don't misinterpret what he's saying. These are some of his last words before he was stripped of his clothes, before he was beaten beyond recognition, before he was spat on, before they put a crown of thorns on his head, and before he was made to carry his own cross up the Via Della Rosa to the hill of Calvary, where he would stretch out his arms and die for you and me. Here's what I want you to know that I believe with all my heart is true this morning. The road to amazing, and that's where Jesus wants to take you, goes through uncomfortable. The way of Jesus the road he wants to take you on, and as hard as this may be for you to hear. By the way, this is not the American gospel. This is not preaching every church, but I want you to tell, I, I just really believe this is the truth of Jesus. The road to amazing, and the way I'm defining amazing is amazing is the presence of God in your life. The road there goes through uncomfortable. And if you're in the middle of uncomfortable, or if you've chosen a life that is uncomfortable, then I'm going to tell you, Jesus is there, and he's going to take you to where his Father is, and that's where you want to be. Right there in the middle of his will. We could choose. We could choose to live an easy life. We could choose to achieve the American dream. We could choose to buy newer cars and bigger houses. We could choose to do everything that everyone in the world around us is doing, but that is not the way of Jesus. Or we could choose the path less chosen. We could choose a different way. We could choose to embrace whatever suffering is either in our life or that we want to embrace to be a part of our life because we realize that that, in fact, is the way of Jesus. And I think you know. Some of you know because you've been there. Some of you know because you're there right now. But I think you know that in the middle of your suffering, what you will always find if you lift, lift up your head and look is you will find Jesus. And through your suffering, here's the promise. You will be transformed. You will be transformed into something beautiful. You will be transformed into the very image of the Son of God. And when people look at you what they will see is not you, but they will see Christ in you. And that, my friends, is the hope of glory. Church, if you would, please stand.
He closed with these words from the Hebrew writer. He said in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And hear this. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because, because of the joy awaiting him, because amazing was awaiting him, he endured the cross, he endured uncomfortable, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. Whatever you're enduring today, or whatever you choose to endure today, let me encourage you, don't give up. Because here's the promise of Jesus. Whatever cross is before you, whatever cross you carry, whatever you're in the middle of, whatever you're going through, you will never, ever, ever walk alone. Because God is with you. Today, if you need, if you're in the middle of it, if you're in the middle of uncomfortable and you need encouragement, I want to let you know our elders are going to be around the room praying. They may come find some of you. They may be on the edges of the room. And if you want to pray with someone, they would just love to pray with you. They can't fix your problems, but they can, they can usher you into the presence of the one who, who can help. And if you need that encouragement today, I, would, I want to invite you to pray with them. And some of you, you, you for whatever reason, have never made this decision to, to be baptized, to, to enter into death so you can enter into life. And I know it sounds weird, but it works. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way he set this thing, whole, whole thing up. And if you, we sang it earlier, if you want to be a son and daughter of God, the invitation is simple and it's always open. And we would love nothing more than to pray with you and to see you accept Christ in that way. Whatever need you have, wherever you are in this moment, I want you to leave here knowing today that Jesus is with you. He is with you. And whatever the hardship, whatever the struggle, whatever the cross, he'll carry it with you. This is the promise we have. We enter into suffering We enter into a space and a place where Jesus already is, and we never, ever walk alone. Let's sing.